Welcome to the Church Interpreting Podcast. My name is Lauren Albizu. And I'm Jonathan Downey. And on the show today... The congregation often asks for you to interpret with your whole heart and with your whole self. No, when I go into the commercial world and I think about emotional management, I think about don't cry in front of patients. That's my big thing, right? When I go into the church, I don't think about that. So as an interpreter um, in the church, there's certain things that you do, certain things that you know that are your essentials, your basic toolbox. And we often get asked, what is it? How can I start? What is church interpreting about? How do you do it? And I felt like maybe we should give people our essentials, things that we do that help us struggle less when we're church interpreting. I love that struggle less. You're going to struggle. I'm so sorry. The struggle is real. The first essential for me, and I this is not supported by research, this is my opinion, I don't think you should be doing church interpreting without being a Christian. For sure, in any church where there is an assumption that the people on stage are believers, whether the listeners say it or not, you're going to do a better job if you're a Christian. That's true. And that's not to say that we haven't seen people be changed and become believers as they're interpreting in church. Like, I know that that's a possibility. I've seen it. I've seen the videos. They come up on my feed the other day um, about real life transformation by somebody doing consecutive interpreting, not being a believer at all. And that's true. And that can happen. But I feel like that happens. And it's a decision that you have to make through a lot of prayer and -hmm. making sure that that's the right step. But for a basic every Sunday kind of thing, you want to make sure that that person is a believer because it helps with the amount of biblical knowledge you have to have. A preacher will throw facts at you that they don't care if you knew your Bible or not. They knew it. They're going to say it. That's the point they're trying to make. So there are certain things in the Bible that I try to make myself know already like for me um one is the fruit of the spirit because for some reason every sermon not every sermon but every preacher i've ever interpreted for has at some point in their career thrown the fruit of the spirit at me at 120 miles per hour and i just have to say them there's nine (laughs) words okay it's hard the ten commandments that's another big one the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 23, those are things that I just, I know in my working languages, because if I don't know them, I know um, if they come at me, I'm going to struggle with it. If I'm preparing for a commercial event, I will get to know the terminology. But the terminology in church changes according to the church. Mm-hmm. Unction, anointing means something different in different churches. And also, I came across this one about a year ago. The word baptism has some very different meanings in different churches. Oh. But also, so um, English has several words for communion, Eucharist, Lord's Supper, Lord's Table, uh, Last Supper. French has a few as well. I need to know which one fits where. And it could be that the preacher says Eucharist, but the French context needs communion or Saint-Saint. So you have to know which word fits where. Yep. But also, 
uh, I think it was Sari Hawken and a, a researcher said, church interpreting, the congregation often asks for you to interpret with your whole heart and with your whole self. And I thought, yes, yes. I can interpret commercially and, you know, that 90% of my body is is disengaged. I interpret in church and my hope, my, my feet start flailing. I'll be bopping around. Everything in me is getting involved. Yeah. I wouldn't want to listen to a sermon where the interpreter is 10% engaged. It's just not the same. The whole point is to be engaging, if anything. Most preachers, mm. the whole point of the, their sermon is to deliver the word, but also to be engaging, right? And if you're not fully engaged there and you just come like, hey, it's not my problem, then that doesn't transfer very well. I would say also the flip side is you really need good interpreting technique in church. And you need to know when professional standards are not... And I know Chris Kishore de Fortis would disagree with me on this, but personally I would say you need to know when professional standards are not going to do the job. We talked in a previous episode about saying everything or not saying everything. How much you intervene, how much you omit, how much you explain. Mm -hmm. You need to know, how is it someone called it the standards of the house? And I thought that's a great way of putting it. Yes. The standards of the house are essential because, one, that's how the community communicates with each other. And that's already how they're doing things. So if you as an interpreter that are right now the voice of their pastor are not engaged in those standards, then it really feels like this outsider position. This this isn't what we stand for. So I don't want to receive it as well. Mm. Also things like some I've interpreted for mega churches where their entire service is timed to the nearest 30 seconds. Hmm. Because they're doing live YouTube streams. Mm-hmm. And they've got four serv- three or four services that day, and they know how long everything has to last for it to work. If I'm interpreting that, I have to respect that in my interpreting. And I have to know I might have missed that point, but I have to close down now. Nope. You have to, as a church interpreter, know how do I close off a point even if I've missed the tail end of it somehow? You know, how do I close a sermon? How do I close prayer? How do I how do I do these actions that tell people the sermon is now over, we're moving on to the next bit. Yeah, no, there are some times where I have to do that. My church is kind of working on getting everything at a certain time done, um, but at the same time, not being super strict about it. So we're in a weird transition point right now uh, when it comes to our service order. It does mean that I have to sometimes cut things short sometimes so that I can move on to the next point. Because if he's already gone and I'm still 10 feet behind, it doesn't work. I wonder if knowing how to shorten your lag is a, is a specific church interpreting skill. I feel like it is because, or maybe this is my biased opinion since I started in church interpreting and that's how I learned how to do simultaneous. For me, when I went to class, everybody else, had a longer lag than I did and I was I didn't have that big of a lag and I would always get told Lauren you have to wait longer 
and I never did. Uh, so, I mean, I passed the class. So we've got the your commitment. I think the terminology comes off of that, your Bible knowledge, knowing the rules of the house. Yes. I would also argue that another skill for a church interpreter is dealing with multiple streams of information at once. So most of my church interpreting at the moment is remote. And I have two screens when I'm interpreting. And I have to know where do I put different things on my screen. I'll have way too many browser tabs up, but just interpreting. But I'll have more tabs up when I'm doing remote interpreting of church interpreting than I will commercially. Because for me, church interpreting has much more information going on at once. So I'll have order of service. I'll have sometimes song lyrics. I'll have the pastor's notes. I'll have Bible Gateway. How did we ever interpret without Bible Gateway? I have no idea. Having yeah. multiple Bibles, just add your fingertips. Boop, boop, boop. And do you have the thing in Spanish? So in French, there's a slight tension that, well, most French evangelical Christians use the same Bible translation if they're in Europe. In Africa, it's slightly more complex. How many Bible translations does the average preacher use in English? And then they'll do something like read from the Amplified or the Message and emphasize a word which only exists in that specific translation and you can look through as many versions in the other language as you would like it's not there mm -hmm. honestly um spanish yes there's this one bible that everybody uses and if anything there's always a joke of like i'm gonna be using the real bible now um because it's that version but there's a bunch of others. Um, thankfully, some of the English ones, like the New Living Translation and the New International Version, have a version in Spanish as well. Mm. So that's easy for me. Like if they use if they use the NLT, I could be like, oh, I have it in Spanish. But when they use the message, when they use Amplified, then I have to make sure that I combine and contrast from different Bibles. So I'll go through different Bibles and go, this one has this word, this one has this other word. And I'll just make my own little Frankenstein monster of a... Yes. I feel like commercially, most interpreters try to ignore their emotions. That's a whole other discussion. But in church, we'd ask... Well, certainly in the churches that I worked in, we'd ask not to. We'd ask to I hate maybe deploy is the right word, but certainly have our emotions there. Seem it seems to be a lot more prevalent in church interpreting that they want to hear these emotions coming. And I wonder if this emotional labor, emotional management, I guess is there in commercial work. And if you're doing medical interpreting, I bet you have a lot of emotion management to think about, but it's not the same kind of emotion management as in church. No, when I go into the commercial world and I think about emotional management, I think about don't cry in front of patients. Mm -hmm. That's my big thing, right? When I go into the church, I don't think about that. I will cry in front of everybody. Please cry in front of the patients. <laughs> Please cry. And I think it was two Sundays ago, there was a service, a sermon that was very, very impactful to me personally. And as I was interpreting, I was over here choking up going, thank you, Lord. And then just continuing um, because it was it was good for my soul, but I had to interpret. Right. And so it was this big mix of like I am crying and receiving and I'm also imparting to other people. And at first I used to completely separate myself from 
what was what I was interpreting in the church because I thought that's what I had to do and I found myself feeling really I don't know void not void like empty Mm. as I was interpreting I was like I'm here but I don't feel like I'm actually present in this Mm. moment right and so that's why I I stopped doing it because I needed to emotionally be there so that things could flow better and I feel like those were some of my worst moments interpreting and I'm so glad nobody recorded this if I'm interpreting commercially most of the time I'm not emotionally engaged in the outcome Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I did a conference on demolition once and there was one talk that was emotionally resonant because it was about dealing with a fatal accident. So there was a really emotional resonance there, but all of us, we just did it. But when I'm doing church interpreting, there's a thing with church interpreting where you're receiving and you're giving at the same time. And there have been times where I've finished interpreting and gone, I needed that sermon. And there was one recently I was interpreting for a church over Easter. I did more interpreting over Easter than I have done in two days in my life. Um, But I did this church who were doing a a really wonderful Easter passion play. But if you've ever interpreted where someone's being whipped in front of you, being able to keep interpreting while they're doing that, it's special. Yeah. Because you know they need this to work emotionally. Yes. And anyone with a heart and anyone who knows the Easter story is going to be affected because you realize that this is you. You know, that you're dying and living with Christ. So you you're seeing a visual representation of Jesus taking your sin and your sin and your sickness to the cross. If that doesn't affect you, what are you doing in church? But equally, you have to be stable enough that people can hear the message. And the, the bit that caught me the most is when you see like hundreds of people going forward on the altar call to give their life to Christ, a good church interpreter should be a little bit choked up at that point. Yes, just so good. You know, what's the, the basic thing that every church interpreter needs? You need you. Don't just bring your language skills. Don't just bring your technique. Bring you to the interpreting. Mm-hmm be there i think people want to hear that you are there um rather than just hearing the words being said nicely um unless that's what your church wants but that's a different that's a different topic and i wonder if sometimes in the commercial world there's a lot of talk of trying to make interpreting more efficient and i wonder if there's a risk that in chasing the best interpreting you can give you can forget why you're doing it in the first place with this whole situation, right, that happened to me recently, I had to really f- struggle with that point, right? Mm. Because first time I got back from Puerto Rico and the funeral and mm. everything, I was like, okay, I'm going to gonna do this. I'm going to interpret. It's going to be great. I already know how to do it. And I just went on it and did it. But because I was searching for this, like, perfection, not perfection, this standard that I could uphold of, like, this is the most efficient interpreting I could ever give, I ended up struggling a lot and forgetting that I do it so that the word of God can be spread. And I do it because of the grace and the spirit of God, right? And so sometimes, yes, we have to look for the most efficient way to do things, 
but you also have to rejoice in your weakness and I feel like as an interpreter it's really hard to kind of let go because we're thought we're taught in school that we're the ones responsible for all of the speaking all of the words that come out of the of our mouths and we're responsible for people understanding it and they place a big burden on us as interpreters of like you're responsible for this whole entire community's understanding of the one topic that is being discussed right now right when in church i'm not solely responsible i share that responsibility right mm. with preacher but essentially with god who's the one that's giving the word so i have to really put myself in a position of vessel to the word and i feel like in commercial interpreting like i'm not doing down how we trained as an interpreter my training was excellent in commercial interpreting you need that level of responsibility but you also need to know how to take it off whereas in church i think what we're looking for as much as anything else is submission yes and that is giving yourself over to what you're interpreting and giving you more than that, giving yourself over to God so that sometimes the Holy Spirit will find solutions that were not in your term list. Yes. And sometimes you will find ways of interpreting that you're like, my, my teacher would get really annoyed at me for doing it that way, but that's how it needed to be done in this case. This isn't doing down teaching, this isn't doing down trainers, but it's simply saying that fundamentally what what every church interpreter needs is the infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because with no Holy Spirit, with no anointing, we are relying on the best human skills that we've built. And they might be great, but no one is going to change, is going to have their life changed because you were a good interpreter today. That's literally not your job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And so I remember challenging some Bible translators recently saying, you know, the biblical standard for Bible translation in Nehemiah 8 is translation that allows people to understand who they are and what God, who God's calling them to be. Now, that's what we're aspiring for in interpreting, but the person who does the hard work, the hard bit is done by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who takes out interpreting and puts it into people's hearts. It's the Holy Spirit who takes the word and, and changes lives with it. If we are submitted to that fundamentally above everything else, we need the Holy Spirit. And without no Holy Spirit, the interpreting is rubbish. Yeah, it won't work. Honestly, I'm, actually, let me change that. It will work, but it won't give the desired fruit. Mm. And the main point of church interpreting is not about whether or not it works. It's about whether or not it gives the fruit that we're looking for. Thank you for listening to the Church Interpreting Podcast. If you would like more free resources to help your church with interpreting, go and check out churchinterpreting.com. Thank you for listening.